Welcome to Highlands Church Audio Sermons. Today, August 21st, 2022, we continue our series entitled Romans, Gospel for All Time. Today's sermon, Why We Serve, will be taught to us by Pastor Bob Wade out of Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. But first, here's a quick recap of last week's sermon. It is by the mercies of God and His grace that we have seen the power of the gospel. We have seen justification by faith. We have seen our universal sinfulness. We have seen our redemption in Christ. We have seen God's sovereignty and the future of Israel. Let these mercies compel you to stand in the line of life, but live for his glory as a living sacrifice. What can I do to be transformed daily? Maybe you need to examine your screen time versus your God time. Maybe we need to examine our pleasure seeking versus our devotion to knowing God. Maybe we need to look at our life and where do we believe and live and live like everyone else. To look at how we exercise our emotions with friends, family, and in the traffic lanes of life. Maybe we need to remove ourselves from certain lines in life altogether to get out of the social media line, to get out of the 24-7 news cycle and anything else that would lure you away from the glory of Jesus Christ. To be compelled by the mercies of God to present your body as a living sacrifice for that is holy and acceptable to God. Why? Because this is your spiritual act of worship. A couple of weeks ago, after that crazy storm hit the church, many of you, and I want to thank you for that, many of you uh, just showed up at the church. I mean, people came with shovels and rakes and chainsaws, and other people came with lots of food, you know, full of bags, full of McDonald's breakfast, you know, sandwiches and all sorts of things. You know, people came, and, and... it was, to be honest, it was completely miserable and hot out here. And I know that, you know, in, in moments like that, it, it's very easy because we tend to look at things like that and go, I'm really thankful that I got a degree and I'm going to hire somebody else to do this because we don't want to do those things. But no one did that. Everybody came and showed up and worked and no complaining. And, and the, the spirit was amazing. I mean, it really was like a family environment. People were having a a good time. People were calling all week long, coming by, sending messages, you know, what else can I do? You know, serving and the attitude that we exhibit when we serve says everything about us. That is the truth of Romans chapter 12. That the work of Christ in our world today has been left in the hands of those of us who have been transformed by his mercies. God still works. He does whatever he wants to. He's he's sovereign. But in many areas, God leaves his work to us by his design. We're his hands to reach out to people that are hurting, to pick something up that that has fallen and broken. We're his feet to go, whether it's around the world or around the corner. If God needs someone there, he sends us. We're his voice to speak words of hope and forgiveness, particularly in a world as ugly and messy and as hateful as our world is right now. If there should be anything true of Christians right now is we ought to be speaking about the hope that we find in Christ, not the condemnation that's out there. It's already condemned. We ought to be his resources. When God wants to expand the kingdom, 
yeah, he's got the cattle on a thousand hills, but guess who owns the title in this life on that? Us. If God wants to expand the kingdom, we are the ones that provide the resources because that's what God wants us to do. You know, last week Jeff mentioned that as a result of being transformed by the mercies of Christ, that God calls us to offer ourselves up as living sacrifices. Offering yourself up is not a mystical thing. In fact, it's logical. It only makes sense that if we say, I'm completely devoted to Christ, that you would also serve him. The two would go hand in hand together. You can't have one without the other. You can't have a sense that, well, uh, um, I'm I'm offering my life to the Lord. I'm, I'm offering it up to God. God, you do whatever you want, but then you don't serve or you don't give and you're not open to God working in your life. It's in our serving, see, that we become who God wants us to be. And we do what God wants us to do. The passage here is very clear in Romans chapter 12 that God not only expects us to serve and give ourselves to him as a living sacrifice, but he expects us to do it with a right attitude, the right focus, which means that that we're supposed to take the spiritual gift that has been given me, and my job with that spiritual gift is to serve you and you and you and you and you and you and right down the line. It's not about me. The spiritual gift that you receive is never about you. It's not to build your name up or to honor you or to build your kingdom. It's always to serve the other. And your gift is the same. You have been gifted to serve me. That's the way it works. That's the way God designed it. Listen to what Paul has to say about this in 1 Corinthians 12. He says, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone to, to each is given the manifestation of the spirit. Why? For the common good. The gift that Paul's talking about here is a spiritual gift. A spiritual gift is not an ability you are born with. It is not an ability that you go, oh, I'd like to really improve my life so I start reading self-help books or take a class. It's not those things at all. It is a spiritual gift that you get at your spiritual birth. It's an ability that's not natural for you. It's God-given when we come to faith. And so God gifts every single believer to serve, no exceptions. Every believer, if you don't have a spiritual gift, you're not a believer. So go to the passage here now, Romans chapter 12, starting in verse three. Paul writes and he says, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For in one body we, are, are, we have many members, and the members do not have all the same functions. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Now the first thing that Paul's gonna do here back in verse three is tell us that our attitude in serving is to be one of humility. 
Go back to verse three again. He says, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. Now, here's what I think is really interesting about this. I think it's really interesting that when Paul starts off and he's gonna talk about our gifts spiritually and using our gifts, that he feels the need to talk about our attitude about serving first. Don't you think that's kind of interesting? Like maybe Paul knows people. Like that we like to be served better than we like serving other people. That's why he says here in verse three, I say to everyone, because he understands that it's common among mankind. It's universal that we have this thing about us that we want people to serve us, especially when we think about like someone coming to church. Well, I want somebody there that will, you know, have coffee for me and, and someone should have this ready for him. Greet me at the door and make sure I have a bulletin. I mean, because it's all about serving me. It really all comes down to Pride. You know, pride was the original sin. I don't know if you knew that or not. Back in Isaiah chapter 14, it tells us that that Lucifer was actually kicked out of heaven because he became proud. Because Lucifer looked around and he saw the power that he had and all the things that God's done. And he's thinking, you know, I could do that. I could be God. And he was removed from hell or from heaven. Pride can easily get into our lives and cause us to justify not serving and somehow thinking that's somebody else's role. That's not me. But Paul's here telling us it's really clearly that it's not someone else's role, it's all of our roles. Every believer. The fact that Paul has to write this to the Romans though and challenge them should be a great reminder to us this has always been an issue. It's not a modern day issue, it's always been an issue. You know, there's an old saying that says, everybody wants to be a servant, and so if someone treats you like one, boy, that's really true. How do you get past that? Well, I'll tell you simply how you get past it. You get on your knees before the Lord, and you have this little discussion, and say, God, you know what? You're the king, and I'm a servant, and that's it. I'm not special. I'm just your servant. Paul here calls out the believers to be humble and to serve and realize they are gifted because God desires to use them. In fact, notice how he begins verse three. He uses the term there. He says, by the grace given to me. What grace is he talking about? Well, if you were to go back to chapter one in Romans there, Paul refers to his call to apostleship there in verse five as a grace. Now, why is it a grace? Because it's not, you know, it's not a natural ability. It's not something they were born with. It's God-given. God actually sent him, God used Paul and sent him out into the Gentile world. I mean, if you think about the population of the world too, it's very likely that the Jewish population of the whole world might be one in a hundred. And so he's sending Paul out to the 99 in this case, the vast majority of the world to speak for him. That's what an apostle is. An apostle is one that saw the, the, the workings of Jesus. He was there. He saw Jesus walking on the earth and it was perfect personally called to be, you know, a servant of the Lord at that point. That's why we don't have apostles today, because Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. He's not on the earth walking. But here's the thing. 
God called him to go and speak to all these people, be the primary writer of the New Testament. And yet, you want to know something interesting about Paul? Paul was not considered a good public speaker. Others were much better. And yet, God called him to go do that. And so Paul knows exactly what he's saying when he says these words. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought, but think with sober judgment. See, I think verse three is talking about having a humble balance. Don't think too highly, but don't think too lowly. The idea of sober judgment is the idea of being clear-headed, balanced in my judgment. I, I can't think, well, I'm really gifted. I'm really good at a lot of things. And, and boy, I, don't, I do that, but that's kind of a, that's below me. It's kind of a waste of my time. I mean, they could do better if they used me this way. Don't think like that. But don't think also like, well, I'm not capable of doing that. I just don't know if I could do that. He says here in verse three that, that, that we're tied to, sober, tied, tied to sober judgment is the measure of faith that God has assigned us. Now that brings us to the second point here in verse three is that our assignment here is to serve. Notice the last words there of verse three. The measure of faith that God has assigned. Well, what has God assigned for me? A gift, a gift to be using. It's always been God's will that I would use it. Ephesians chapter two, verse 10 tells us, he says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In other words, it was God's plan before anything was here, before the foundation of the world was even laid, before anything was here is, here's my plan. I'm going to create these people, I'm going to love them, I'm going to forgive them, and I'm going to give them a gift and they're going to serve me. That's God's plan. He'll, be, he'll receive honor out of that. This gift is not a natural ability, and it's not meant to be a choice where I go, well, I don't know if I really want to do that or not. I'm not going to do it. God assigned me my gift. My job is to use it for his glory. You know, right after World War II, um, devastating time, lots of destruction all over Europe and everything like that, there was a group of German seminary students that had heard about a church in England that had been bombed out really badly and a lot of destruction. And they actually raised the money and in all the poverty they're there, they raised the money to go to England to help rebuild this, this, this church. And when they got there, they're, you know, they're working and, and the whole bit. One of the things they noticed was there was a statue out in front of the church of Jesus with his arms stretched out like this and a caption at the bottom that said, come unto me. And they became enamored with this statue because the arms had mostly been blown away. The hands were completely gone at this point. So while they're rebuilding you know, the church itself, one of the things they did was they, they all took turns going and making casts of their arms and their hands and everything like that. And then you know, they'd take it out of the cast and let it set and, and, and do whatever it needed to do. And then they'd try to put it on and see if it worked. And really none of them really worked. None of them fit. And so they came up with an idea. They rebuilt the arms, but they left the statue there without hands. And they changed the bottom to read this, Christ has no hands but ours. That's really good theology. You were created to be his hands. 
That's the way God designed us. To be his hands, his arms, his feet, his voice, his resource. Look, there may be a good reason why you can't serve right now. I get it. You might have little babies running around. There might be some other things. You might be working two jobs and there, there could be lots of different things like that. Maybe it's just the season of life that you're in. But let me encourage you, a season of life doesn't last years. You were created. The creator of all things made you to be a servant for him. Now here's the third thing. He's gonna tell us in verses four and five, the reason we serve is to build up the body. You know, just about a year earlier than, than Paul wrote Romans, he actually wrote the book of 1 Corinthians and he used the exact same metaphor there, the body. The idea is that you would take the church and he'd say, he's trying to explain how the church functions and he uses a human body as an example of that. That when everything functions like it should, the body performs at great ability. I mean, like, you ever get up in the morning and you feel great and nothing's hurting and there's no aches or anything like that and you're ready to go out and take on the day. You love it. It's great. But the opposite is true as well. If part of the body doesn't feel good, isn't functioning well, it affects the whole. I mean, you ever stub your toe? I mean, stub it well enough that where you're like, you're doing this all day long and so you, you kind of slowed down and you feel the pain going up your leg or you take a, you know, somehow a finger gets caught in a door and, and it slams, ah, oh, hey, this hand over here's fine. This one got slammed, but this one's fine. Why is it struggling to serve? Because pain, even to one part of the body, causes pain to all of it. Imagine parts of your body then suddenly just deciding, well, I'm not gonna do my job anymore. Eh, they got enough people. Each of us need to see the gifts that have been given to us as vital to the whole body's health. You have to think of a team. In fact, there in verse four, you'll notice that he uses the word members of the body. You know, as I thought this, this through too, it occurred to me, that's why membership actually matters here because Paul could have stopped and he said, hey, as the Romans, as the Roman you know, Christians, if you just gathered together here, you know, and you did this, but he doesn't say that. He uses the word members because he wants them to see that they're tied together because it's in being tied together Together there as members that there's a higher level of commitment. You ever heard of the band Casting Crowns? They actually wrote a song about Romans 12.4. Let me, let me read you the words to the chorus here. It says, but if we are the body, why aren't the arms reaching? Why aren't the hands healing? Why aren't his words teaching? And if we are the body, why aren't his feet going? And why is his love not showing? We're the body, folks. We are his body. We are members together of the body. Now the fourth thing that Paul's gonna tell us here in Romans 12 and verses six through eight is the gifts we use equip other people. They equip other people. In fact, he's gonna give a list of seven gifts here. Each of these is a very descriptive kind of a thing that it comes with. And by the way, this isn't the only list of gifts in the scripture. 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4 also gives us lists of spiritual gifts. So why this particular grouping? 
Because these gifts allow us to function as a unit. He starts off here in verse six and he mentions prophecy. It's the Greek word prophetia. It means to speak forth. Now it is not necessarily predicting future or something mystical like the Old Testament office of prophets in the early New Testament. This gift of prophecy is more focused on preaching and proclaiming the word of God. It's letting God use you to speak into the lives of other people, to encourage them, to challenge them, to enlighten them. To help them to see the end of where they're going and what they're doing. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 14, he says, On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. This is an important part of the church. You know, Timothy needed to know that as Timothy was pastoring in Ephesus. He needed to be challenged with that. And so he gets, you know, these words were written to him. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with great patience and teaching. The second gift he comes to is the gift of service. The Greek word here, diakonai, is a very general term for serving. Um, Let me tell you how general it is. If If I were to ask you right now, hey, in your mind, I want you to picture someone that you would say, that person is a servant. How many of you could do that? Could you picture a servant? The rest of you can't? All of you? Yeah? Okay. You could picture a servant. You want to know why you could picture them? Because serving is noticeable. See, serving is not just what happens inside of our hearts. It's typically what happens with our hands and our arms and our voice, our feet, our resources. It... it, It's noticeable. This is the area that we need the most people at. People that are willing just to serve whenever, however. I mean, this is a really basic gift, but here's what I want you to understand something here. It is basic to every other gift. It's a basic gift, but it's basic to every other gift. In other words, I mean, think about it like this. Like, you might have the gift of leadership, and I know plenty of people that have, you know, powerful leadership abilities and stuff like that, and that might be fine for the military or for some other thing, but not in God's church. You see, the leader in God's church has to be a servant leader. You cannot be a good leader if you don't have that basic diaconia up right there. You cannot be a good leader if you're not a servant or a teacher. There are plenty of people that can, that can teach really well. There are people that understand the languages better than I understand. There are people that can you know, turn this phrase and put it all together and, and do all these great things. You know, here's the key though. It only matters if you're a servant. Because if you're teaching out of only the flesh and not teaching out being led by the spirit, you're not teaching anything that will change a life. The model here is Jesus. Jesus gave us his mission statement in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, when he said, he described himself, you know, coming to earth when he said, for the son of man, that was his own description of himself. The son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The next gift is the gift of teaching. You know, teaching can be used a lot of different ways, but in the essence, really, it's all about just helping others grow. I mean, if you think about our, our, our vision statement, you know, equip the church to follow Jesus, we could use a lot of teachers. 
You don't have to be the greatest teacher, but you have to be willing to teach. And by the way, going along with it, what's almost all, well, it is always, not almost, it's always accompanied with the idea of that you would be a learner too. You can't teach in a vacuum. You can't teach what you don't have. You, you teach because God is so, go put it on your heart to learn all these different things so that you might honor him, so the truth might come out. Teachers become lifelong students. Then there's the gift of exhortation. Paracleo, this, uh, th- this word here means to come alongside someone or, or have them come alongside of you. It's a very basic you know, term again, but it's so interesting as this. You ever heard of the word paraclete? You ever heard that word used for the Holy Spirit, the Greek word there? Jesus actually used that of himself in John 14, 16, and he used it of the Holy Spirit in John 14, 26. And here, the term is used, and I think this is an incredible honor. Here, the church is used for the body of believers, that we have the ability to do the very same things that Jesus did, and that is come alongside people, right alongside, and walk with them and love them, and encourage them, just from a servant's role. What an incredible honor that is. Exhortation is used to encourage someone to do the right thing, to walk away from sin, but also to keep going when life is difficult. I'll tell you, when life is tough, we want encouragers around us. I want encouragers in my life. The next gift is the gift of giving. This is the one who contributes in generosity. The gift of giving, very often to me, is, 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 is sort of together with a person that understands that all things belong to God. Once we realize that, and by the way, that's one of the biggest battles that every Christian has to fight. That inherently, there's something inside of us that says, well, that's mine. When the truth is, when I really come before the Lord, what I realize is, no, that's God's. When I, when I have that, I have the ability to exercise stewardship of the resources that he's given me. Even the ability to make money comes from God. Generosity is not about how much you have. Whether you have a lot or a little, it doesn't really matter. There's a great story in Mark chapter 12, Jesus sitting with his disciples and people all over the place and this woman comes, this little old woman, she comes and she puts the very smallest coin there was. You know, in our vernacular today, it would be a penny. And she drops it in and Jesus stops and goes, well, she just gave everything she has. She exercised the gift right there. This is about turning it over to the Lord. You know, the Bible gives us clear instructions about our giving. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, it says this, as for the rich in this present age, now stop just for a second. You may be going, well, I'm not rich. How many of you have been out of our country and not, I'm not talking about to like some resort someplace, but you've been to like Haiti or Uganda or one of the, how many of you have been, okay, then you understand that we're rich, right? Upper 2% of the world. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. 
They are to do, do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves for us, good foundation for the future, so they might take hold of that which is truly life. That's our call. You know, I'm gonna ask the worship team if they'll come back and join me. The next, the next gift here is the gift of leadership. Leadership within the church, according to verse three, needs to lead humbly. Now, I'm gonna tell you, I believe that is our culture here with our team. We use the term steward. We steward the church. We do not drive the church. Leadership is a vital part of any group, of any church. Without it, there is anarchy. A perfect example of that would be the nation of Israel. If you were to go back and look at Israel, in Judges chapter 17, it tells us this. In those days, there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. That might sound to you like a really good thing. It was a disaster. They completely turned away from the Lord. In fact, they were guilty of offering their children on the high places as sacrifices. Without leadership, there's chaos but it has to be the right leadership. Leadership is a spiritual gift given to build up the church. Very important you catch this. It's not to build up an individual. Never. Listen, it's really important you understand this. I don't mean this to sound weird, but the Lord could replace me with a rock and do better. Okay? We have to have a, a spirit among us that says, this is God's church. Not, not mine, not yours. It's God's church, and we get to be a part of it. As servants. Are you a servant? The last gift here is the gift of mercy. It's actively demonstrating sympathy for someone else. It's taking the time to come alongside of them, to, to comfort them when they're weak and needy. Some people actually have the spiritual gift of this. They can go beyond. They can just really jump into people's lives and love and walk with them and just be able to give almost everything to them. But you know, as I was studying for the, this week, I, I'll tell you that, and maybe it's just me, but I don't feel like we live in a very merciful world today. We live in a world today where we attack each other uh, we say horrible, hideous things. It's ridiculous. And I really believe that if we're going to stand out for the cause of Christ, that you and I need to display the same gifts that, that God has given to us. God extended mercy and grace to us. Why are we not extending it to a lost world? This is what we need to do. Paul here in chapter 12 is challenging the Roman believers to start serving. They needed to be prodded to serve. Rome was probably 50% slaves. And so when you would say to the Romans, look, we want you to serve, they would go, uh, I don't want to be. Yeah, you need to humble yourself like anybody else because we all bow before the king. Start using your gift. You don't even have to have the gift that you, to, to go serve. The truth is you can go and encourage people and not have the gift of encouragement. You could give, in fact, you should give out of faithfulness, but you can give and not have that gift. You can exercise service or mercy or leadership and not have any one of those gifts. Look, let me encourage you. When you find your gift, it will be a joy to use it. But even better than that, 
when you use your gift, you will become a gift to the church. And you'll find out what your purpose is. Would you pray with me? I'm praying that God would move on your hearts in a very powerful way. Father, I pray that you would do something amazing and wonderful and miraculous in each one of our lives. Would you move us by the leading of the Holy Spirit to submit our lives to you, to serve you, God. To stop following the pattern of the world, but to be your servant, Lord, by serving others. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.